This week's episode is coming out on July 3. So it is 4th of July weekend, and we're going to focus on freedom. I am so grateful for freedom in our nation, and infinitely better than that is the spiritual freedom that God offers us in the gospel. So we're going to focus on freedom. So as we feel those feelings this weekend of joy and gratitude that we live in a free country, uh, let's just let those translate into joy and gratitude for the freedom God offers and a desire to experience more of that freedom. The messages I'm bringing back to speak, Lord, this week have to do with freedom from sin and freedom from materialism. The first episode we are replaying is called Stop Sinning. And in this episode, you can feel the energy and the urgency in my voice because I felt it very personally. I remember recording this. Actually, I remember reading this passage in my own studies before it became a Speak Lord episode and feeling God speak to me. And I remember when that reality hit me that I could lose it all if sin in my life is not surrendered to God. I like where my life is going, but one choice for sin today leads to another choice of sin tomorrow. And if it's not stopped, sin leads to death. That gets my attention. And in this message, I love the perspective that the call of Jesus to stop sinning is not a threat, but it's an invitation. I hope you can hear this message as an invitation and that this 4th of July, this time of freedom, will be a point in your spiritual life where God speaks to you and says, stop sinning. We're done with this thing that has held you in bondage for so long. So here's the message, stop sinning. You're listening to Speak, Lord. I'm Ryan Rogers. Jesus healed a man and then later said to him, Stop sinning, or something worse may happen to you. And these words feel a bit off for Jesus for a few reasons. They could be interpreted as a threat, and that's just not how Jesus works. Or they could appear as an expression of a works-based religion. If I'm really good, then good things will happen to me. And that's not the heart of God either. So when there's something in scripture that doesn't appear to fit with the character of God, which is best summarized as love, that's a signal to us that there's deeper meaning here. And there is. This verse has been really meaningful to me for the last couple of weeks. It has renewed my desire for purity and surrender. So the story is found in John chapter 5, and I'll read the first eight verses. It says, Sometime later, Jesus went to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there was in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed, and one who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your mat and walk. 
At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. So that's the healing story. It's an awesome miracle. And we see God's grace and his power and his love. And then there's a few verses after that where there's some discussion because the healing took place on a Sabbath. And they asked the man, who is this man who healed you? And he said that he didn't know. But then in verse 14, Jesus finds him. It says, Later Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you are well again. Stop sinning, or something worse may happen to you. So how do we understand this story and this comment in the way it was meant? Well, we know that this man was not an invalid for 38 years because of a punishment for a specific sin. And we know that if he fell into sin after this moment, Jesus did not have a plan to cause him to become lame again as a punishment. But we do see that Jesus is interested in the man's spiritual healing as well as his physical healing. Jesus knew that being spiritually dead was worse than lying lame by a gate and not being healed. Jesus knew that sin destroys. And if this man walked away with a healthy body, but let sin rule in his life, he would end up more miserable than the situation he found himself in before. So Jesus said these words in the same spirit that he told the woman caught in the act of adultery, neither do I condemn you, but go and sin no more. Jesus doesn't come to condemn. He is full of love and forgiveness, but he wants us to stop sinning. He wants us to stop doing the things that destroy our lives. When Jesus says, stop sinning, or something worse may happen to you, these words are not a coercive threat. They are a gracious invitation. He was calling that man into a life that does not end in destruction, but is full of good things. And this is why these words have been so powerful to me. I felt conviction for my own sin in my life. And I also see that my life is really good. God has spared me from so many bad things and let me enjoy so many good things. I have a family, and a good marriage, children. I have work that is meaningful to me. I have a sense of mission and purpose. I have a good reputation, which allows me to have influence on people's lives. And as I've felt conviction for sin, I've also felt this heavy realization that if I don't stop the sin in my life, something worse will happen. I've imagined myself losing those things. What if sin continued and progressed in my life that I didn't have a healthy marriage, that I didn't have love in my family, and I didn't have a good reputation to have influence in meaningful work I love to do? So many have lost those things because sin was not stopped in their life. And no matter how small that sin appears, unless it stops, sin leads to death. Jesus doesn't call us to stop sinning with an attitude of condemnation or to motivate us by threats. His heart is full of love and he pleads with us, stop sinning. It will destroy everything that's good. As you mess up, and you feel conviction, and then you receive forgiveness, you can also hear these words as a gracious invitation. Stop sinning, or something worse may happen to you. How is God speaking to you today? 
Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. You can find more of Speak, Lord at PastorRyanRogers.com. The next message I want to share with you is called The Problem of Having 100 Kids. Can you think of a few problems with having 100 kids? Well, this episode doesn't really come across as a message focused on freedom, but there is freedom here. There's freedom from materialism, and this is something that holds us in bondage. This is a fun take on a very serious verse. We can find freedom when we believe that success is not in what we produce or what we acquire, but it's something much deeper. We need to find a better measurement for what success is. There is freedom in this message. You're listening to Speak, Lord. I'm Ryan Rogers. Recently, I've been reading through the book of Ecclesiastes, and it's gotten me thinking about some deep stuff, like the problem with having 100 kids. Here's what it says in the first three verses of Ecclesiastes chapter 6. I have seen another thing in this life that is not fair and is very hard to understand. God gives some people great wealth, riches, and honor. They have everything they need and everything they could ever want. But then God does not let them enjoy those things. Some stranger comes and takes everything. This is a very bad and senseless thing. A man might live a long time and have a hundred children. But if he is not satisfied with those good things and if no one remembers him after his death, I say that a baby who dies at birth is better than that man. Can you think of any problems with having 100 kids? There are a few challenges that come to mind. But in this time that Solomon was teaching these things, 100 kids was seen as something really good. It's an extreme description of success. If you are wealthy enough and able to have 100 kids, then you've got life figured out. And there are some problems bugging Solomon. This whole book, he's very irritated and he keeps finding these things that that are vanity or sinful or hard to understand. And one of these things is that he's troubled by the fact that what we have in this life is temporary. He really likes the idea of gaining things and he's troubled by how this life doesn't allow us to gain and keep things. In fact, in chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, we read, Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What does a man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? This is a question that runs through the whole book. He's wanting to gain something from all his work and the things he does. But as we've read, he's seen that you can gain a whole lot and you just leave it for somebody else. So Solomon searched for meaning in all kinds of self-indulgent ways, and then he realized that didn't produce gain. In chapter 2, verse 13, he says, Then I saw that there is more gain in wisdom than in folly. There is more gain in light than in darkness. He's favoring wisdom and light because he wants to gain something. A few verses later, he says, 
for of the wise as of the fool there is no enduring remembrance, seeing that in the days to come all will have been long forgotten. Solomon would love to reach success by all the things he could gain, but he's just not finding it. So here's the problem with having 100 kids, at least one of the problems. Ultimate success cannot be found in what we produce. We can't keep it. Even if you have a huge legacy of children, they grow up and they move out. They make their own decisions. If we have the highest achievements, they're temporary. The answer then to fix this problem would be to stop measuring success by what we can produce and find a different measurement for success and meaning in our lives. If you have some good stuff, that's great. But don't make stuff the foundation of your meaning. There's a lot you might gain, but we can't hold on to it. The problem with having a hundred kids is the problem with having ten million dollars. It's the problem with having health and fame and cars and acreage and homes. None of it lasts. Nothing that we can produce makes our lives successful. Ultimate success has nothing to do with what I can produce. Now we could spend our time moping around because we can't produce things that make us successful, or we could accept it as reality and find success and meaning in the things that God has for us. How is God speaking to you? Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. You can find more of Speak, Lord at Pastor Ryan Ross. Well, happy 4th of July, everyone. Let God set you free from whatever it is that's holding you in bondage. He's a good God. He has the ability to set you free. He has a desire to set you free. And right now is a good time to embrace that freedom. How is God speaking to you? Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening.